Welcome to the Evolution Exchange. The Evolution Exchange is a platform for thought leaders within tech and fintech to share ideas on current topics of relevance to our community of over 50,000 technology and business followers. Today, we're going to talk about a particular poignant topic at the moment, uh, was talent acquisition trends for 2023. So um, I'm delighted to introduce Odette Engelbrecht, Priya Valuri, and Jonathan Stewart. Um, so Odette is a Senior Director of Talent Acquisition at the Boston Consulting Group with experience in banking with Standard Chartered Bank and eight years in big tech with Microsoft. Priya is a Global Head of Talent Acquisition and HR business partner with extensive experience spanning three continents in multiple in industries from fintech, gaming, consulting, and um, while balancing cultural diversities and legal intricacies of talent acquisition. Jonathan is a transformative global TA leader at Kantar with a career spanning over 20 years, spanning banking, consulting, and technology. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by all three of you um, and delighted to have you with us. Um, so if we just do a quick personal introduction um, individually first off. So we start with um, Odette. Do you be happy to introduce yourself? Um, yeah, thank you, um, Jake. So, um, as Jake mentioned, my name is um, Odette Engelbrecht. I'm originally from South Africa. I spent uh, the first years of my career in Middle East and Africa and been living in Singapore for the last six years. I look after the full uh, talent acquisition capability for VCG in Asia, we, and that includes all of our campus hiring, lateral hiring, digital as well as executive hiring. And we look after all of the markets uh, Japan, Korea, Australia, Southeast Asia, uh, India, and Greater China. Fantastic. Thanks, Adette. Um, Priya? Hey, Drake. Thank you so much for having me here. I am Priya. I'm excited to join this uh, podcast with Odette and Jonathan. Uh, with 17 years of global talent acquisition experience, I have extensive knowledge about the multicultural, cross-cultural hiring, proven track records of helping um, uh, companies to hire their tech talent and non-tech talent. I have worked in, worked across APAC, EMEA, and Americas. Um, currently, I'm heading the global talent acquisition at Big Pay. Uh, we are covering Southeast Asia. Okay, fantastic. And Jonathan? Yeah, thanks, Jake. Uh, great to be here. Um, uh, I'm originally from the UK. Uh, I moved to Asia in uh, so late 2007. And since then, I've been lucky enough to work in uh, Macau, Hong Kong, and then uh, here in Singapore most recently, where uh, I've lived since 2015. I began my career in, in marketing uh, and, and recruitment advertising um, uh, and moved in-house across uh, various sort of employer branding and HR comms roles. Um, and then the last 15 years or so have been uh, in various in-house TA leadership positions um, across a number of industries. Um, uh, I currently work for Kantar um, supporting global enabling functions. Uh, this includes technology and product, corporate functions, and our global operations and, and data centers. Um, on top of that, I look after our APAC hiring for insights, which is our largest division. Um, uh, at Kantar, we're, we're sort of three years into a private equity-led transformation of the business with COVID right in the middle of that. Um, so that's been an exciting journey and it, uh, um, although you can't see it on the podcast, explains uh, sort of probably half of the grey hairs that I have 
<laughs> awesome. Thanks, Jonathan. So really happy to be joined by all three of you and um, excited to hear your thoughts on um, this you know, particularly relevant topic at the moment. So, um, <clears throat> obviously, you know, Q1 2023 um, is, um, you know, the time when traditionally most organizations would be scoping out their um, budget, their talent acquisition strategy, uh, their headcount strategy for, for the year. Um, I guess more so than ever post-COVID, uh, post a boom in tech hiring last year and post some, you know, fairly well-publicized tech layoffs across different organizations over Q4 and 2022 and, and the beginning of, of Q1 2023. I think it's a particularly um, interesting time to be discussing this topic. So um, I'll jump straight into the the questions which we're going to discuss today and, and kind of get, get your views on these. So first off, um, how have the priorities of talent acquisition leaders shifted since the beginning of 2022 to the beginning of 2023, given those prevailing market conditions that, that I mentioned? Um, Odette, do you want to kick off with, with that uh, one? Yeah, I, I think it's been, it's been quite interesting. Yeah, I think last year we came back from uh, 2022, started with coming back from the pandemic. Um, we had a really, really good year in 2021. Um, hiring numbers were really, really high. Uh, we had quite a turbulent, interesting, still a good year in 2022. Um, and then 23 started with all of the uh, tech layoffs. And um, other than the normal uh, trends that we continue to see, diversity ten, uh, continues to be important. But um, the one thing that uh, lessons learned from last year and trends that we think we'll see this year is around the displaced uh, technical, skilled and digital savvy talent in the market. Um, you know, even though there's been quite a lot of layoffs, I do believe that a lot of organizations will continue to invest in their digital capabilities, and that really opens up the market for a lot of talented um, uh, technical skills that are back in the job market that wasn't there before. So that is one thing that I think would be very interesting for us as well as we continue to build our digital business in BCG. Um, I think the second thing is it's a really good opportunity to continue to focus on candidate experience. I think we've seen a lot of breakthrough in technology. I'm thinking about ChatGPT um, and what AI will mean for business, but also for recruiting. And how could we use that in the candidate experience? Um, we've also done some research and we know that candidates very quickly drop out of application process if they see that a company's got outdated recruiting technology. Um, the third thing that um, I think will be a trend, and I actually read about a bit about this on a recent podcast and LinkedIn as well, um, is to start thinking as TA leaders around scenario-based planning. So if you think about a strategic workforce planning, we typically would look at what are the different scenarios that a company wants to grow, and how do you plan your talent strategies accordingly? Uh, we're starting to look at it at a talent acquisition um, level as well. As hiring demand goes up and down, we need to make sure that we keep the recruiting engine running and when demand goes up that we're ready to deliver. But also on the flip side, if demand is down, what do you do with your recruiting organization to ensure that you uh, you still keep your good recruiters, uh, you keep them busy um, so that when that upswing is back that you're able to, to respond very quickly. So I would say those are the three big trends other than the normal stuff that we've seen in previous years. Fantastic. Thanks, Ella. Um, Priya, so uh, same question. How have the 
priorities for talent acquisition leaders shifted since the beginning of 2022 to the beginning of 2023? Um, I totally agree with Odette on a couple of points um, on digital uh, skills and, uh, you know, keeping the pipelines warm and active. At the same time, making sure the candidate experience is very important because most of the candidates drop out uh, uh, if if we don't give if we don't pamper them or if we don't give uh, enough of heritage to them and their and their time and we don't respect their time and you know the talent is very demanding post COVID I have seen talent is really very demanded now demanding along with that I I really want to bring a D D diversity and inclusion point where I feel that. That, you know, um, now the organizations are really uh, looking at the value of DNI, and uh, I feel that there are going to be soon uh, very big initiatives coming up for uh, managing the diversity and inclusion because that's really a kick for innovation and that's really a kick for um, for companies to meet their targets. Uh, talent acquisition needs to make their own. Um, processes and plans to hire, how we can conquer the DEI uh, part of the piece and how we can go ahead with uh, that hiring. Along with that, the remote working, that's a blessing in disguise. <laughs> so it's kind of like most of the remote working has been popular after COVID. So I feel uh, that's going to be there. That's not going to be uh, going away. However, yes, uh, most of the organizations are pushing us to come to office. So maybe it will be a hybrid. But again, it's one of the biggest demands which talent is saying that, hey, ben, uh, work from home has no more. It's no more a benefit. It's a it's no more a want. It's a need. So uh, I, I really need I mean, the organizations really need to think about this as well. The ones which are looking for more of an office environment than the remote working. Awesome. Um, Jonathan, same question. Uh, yeah, I think it's day and night, really, uh, if we compare the two. Um, uh, if I think back to the early days of, of 2022, we were contending with, you know, continuing market bounce back post-COVID, um, which meant high attrition uh, for the business and record volumes of hiring both replacement and, and, and for growth. And all this against a background of rising salaries and high employment. So, uh, you know, the priority of TA was higher, 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 whatever the cost. Uh, and there was a cost because we saw candidates move for sizable deltas on their base compensation, I think particularly across tech and digital skills. And this obviously began to sort of impact and increase the operating cost of our business, uh, as well as the inflation that was rising at the same time. I think in 2023, it's a very different economic environment. As we know, uncertainty is driving more circumspection from a business perspective. We've seen some job losses and, and probably reduced hiring uh, across many industries. Um, and typically, a greater control of the costs that impact our bottom line. Uh, and uh, I think things will steadily pick up as we progress through the year. But uh, in terms of the priorities as we face this uncertainty, I think we're probably looking at two separate but um, uh, overlapping areas. So you've got immediate priorities caused by the overall market slowdown since probably Q4 uh, last year. Uh, and secondly, priorities which have resulted from continuing and sort of long-term adaptations and adjustments in the talent market and the nature of work. And um, 
you know, I think many of these changes are probably here to stay. So firstly, I, I think, you know, we're seeing in terms of priority, a change in focus from recruitment to retention. Um, it's obviously cheaper and more effective to retain good employees than keep buying new employees from the market uh, at that market premium. Um, and I think TA can play a critical role in that. Um, I know during COVID when uh, many companies, including my own, saw external hiring reduce quite sharply, um, there was still a need for internal movement. So many in internal TA functions uh, morphed overnight into sort of internal talent brokers. Uh, and um, I think we'll see that happening again, but probably in a more structured way with uh, technology support, such as talent marketplace, skills identification and, and mapping and, and internal career sites and things like that. I think secondly, we'll see a move to a skills and capability approach. That is a priority because we're still facing challenging talent markets uh, pretty much across the board. Um, so hiring for skills and experience is going to help us cast a bigger net uh, and also reach our DEI targets, I think, more easily. Thirdly, I think it allows us time to focus on our employer brand and our purpose as a business. Um, uh, and I think, and then fourthly, with the restrictions on bu budgets, we've we're being asked to do more with less and be smarter in our investments. So. Uh, how can we be more efficient in terms of our process? How can we use technologies to automate uh, and, and make more efficient our function? Cool. A <clears throat> couple of really interesting things there, I guess. Um, that leads us to the next question. Um, so I guess this, this is always one of the questions that um, our, our kind of listener groups out finds most uh, interesting to hear the answer to. Um, so what's one thing you got right in 2022? Um, and what's one thing that you got wrong? Um, I guess uh, if we start with Priya. Sure, Jake. Um, I guess I'll start with what went wrong. Uh, with 22 shift, you know, um, uh, the work from home era came in the digital uh, digital skills were uh, literally uh, you know uh, were uh, looked upon uh, and then the organizations were comfortable earlier they were really uh, taking time to accept the work from home um, option but they slowly have agreed to it however that that thing uh, after 2022 to Jonathan's point, uh, it's putting pressure on organizations uh, leading to price competition and leading to talent competition. So, um, you know, in the recent um, uh, research, which we uh, which I have just like, you know, I was reading over HBR review. I re uh, there was this uh, research where it was saying that, you know, if the company culture is really good and impactful and strong, we really can negotiate 20 percent down the price comp uh, compensation uh, from the talent. So this is something which I feel that. Earlier organizations were looking for culture impact or good building a good culture, but post 2022 uh, and COVID, I feel we really need to make a stronger culture, uh, open culture, 
where the new talent can uh, it will be easy for the new talent to get adjusted and it is uh, you know it's going to the culture is going to uh, do our employer branding piece rather than be telling them come and join us we have these benefits uh, i feel that the culture aspect was somewhere not emphasized earlier but now post pandemic and post 22 i feel this is going to help us a lot to gain and retain the talent and attract the good talent what went right would be uh, the flexibility piece uh the uh, giving uh talent um that whatever you want to do you want to spend 10 hours in gym i really don't care end of the day the project should be completed so that type of a mindset has really helped talent to really look into extra curricular extra uh, learnings and uh, i can see within my organizations and my previous organizations people took time to learn new things if for that matter myself i was also learning new things on youtube and other various learning platforms so that that uh, that trust of organization to give me the flexibility or to give the talent flexibility and do whatever you want but the work has to be done wherever you're sitting in hawaii no problem we are sitting in like you know india no problem so that kind of a uh, thing was really helpful that really went right in 22 i believe awesome thanks priya um jonathan one thing you got right in 2022 and one thing that you got wrong yeah but it's easier to say what i got right than wrong um i i think ta is in transition and transformation as i said before um i think something as a business we we did last year we started which i expect to pay dividends is to roll out a workday skills cloud and uh so so moving to a single um so skills and capability taxonomy across the organization and embedding these keywords for example into our hr tools um it's a really critical starting point for us you know having a business which can articulate its current and future skills requirements in the very clear and transparent terms you know it's vital to clear the ground for successful future adoption of automation tools and then opening the door for empowering people to to see where they fit skills wise against the changing talent requirements of the business we can't do any of that unless we have that framework and that vocabulary to to discuss um and then i think on top of that for the first time uh we can clearly sort of line up the skills of our of our internal workforce against the external market and that leads us to build a much clearer sort of um buy build and borrow talent roadmap accordingly so it it's a foundational piece but it's critical to then make those next steps you know in automation in in terms of uh really meeting our it, it, what our employees want and need um what did we get wrong i think as a business we've we underestimated how strong and enduring the desire for flexible remote and hybrid working would would remain for employees and and for candidates um while cantar is an organization with strong commitments to offering flexible working to our employees um uh, and and we were even pre covid um i think we've been a bit slow to turning that into a clear offer 
and a differentiator in our in our sort of market talent offering um, and and our employer brand and our and our proposition. Um, so I think we need to think a bit more about what it means for us as a business more widely. Um, uh, and then what is the impact on things like diversity, our manager capabilities and our attrition as well. And I think we're not the only company in this boat. Um, the data is starting to come through uh, to give us some of those answers. Um, but I think, um, yeah, I think we're a little bit on the back foot about that, not in terms of the offer, but in terms of leveraging and um, and turning that offer into a proposition for our candidates. Awesome. Um, Adet, one thing you got wrong in 2022, one thing that you got right. Never fun to talk about the wrong. Uh, so <laughs> I think uh, to my previous point as well, what we what we did get wrong is we we. We had a really fantastic 2021. We were on a high. We were building a recruiting organization to meet a, um, a company that's growing really fast, double digits in some places. And we were caught off guard by some of the strict lockdowns that we saw um, last year. And that had a direct impact on our hiring demand. So we had a relatively um, newly ramped up um, recruiting workforce with no work in some of our markets. Um, so that was really tricky and really forced us to rethink around uh, what I talked about, scenario-based planning. So how do we think about the different scenarios? I mean, you know, the events, um, you know, it reminded us of early COVID and we're not out of the woods yet. Uh, we live in a very unpredictable world and you have to be uh, prepared for both. What COVID did teach us though is not to scale down, keep the engine running. Uh, we're in 2023 now, we saw starting to see if the economies in some of these markets will improve, uh, but we kept our workforce. So I think that's the one thing that we got wrong, that we really had to scramble and make sure um, that we continue to keep our recruiting teams motivated um, in some markets. Other markets were growing as crazy. Uh, what we did get right that I'm very proud of, and to the point, uh, Priya uh, and Jonathan, you mentioned around brand and culture, uh, we started uh, market research towards the end of 2020 around our candidate value proposition. And what we saw is that what talent really cares about is meaningful work, flexibility. Um, and when we looked at and we asked talent in the market, what is their perception of BCG as well? And what we saw is that we know what we stand for, but talent didn't. Um, you know, we don't just consult or think or plan, you know, the typical consulting uh, perception in the market. Uh, we see ourselves as digital professionals. We are builders and digital ventures. Um, we are innovators and we are doers. So I think we've moved beyond um, just strategy consulting a long time ago, but the market didn't know it. So we launched our new candidate value proposition um, in the middle of last year. It is called Beyond is Where We Begin. Um, and what we wanted to do is to create a very authentic um, employer branding campaign where we empower our employees to go into social media to share their stories how do they relate to beyond this where it begin um, and, and really it was a really it was a big success there was a lot of internal activation people were excited um, you know we had big launches in our offices um, it was reflected on social media so I think that's something that I was still super excited about um, and I think that's something that we got right Another thing that we also did was as part of the campaign is when we looked at our talent pools, we're starting to expand in a lot more uh, expert skills and climate sustainability as one of our new um, focus areas. And, 
you know, talent in this market don't know that BCG um, uh, is uh, very active in this market. So what we've done is we also try to, to understand the personas or the different archetypes of people that are present um, that are in those markets. If you think about it, somebody that um, works in um, a very expert role in climate and sustainability would never think about consulting. But what we can offer them, the type of work that we can offer them, uh, is something that they probably wouldn't be very interested in. So we really started to tailor our communication and to our target market around the personas and start to share the information with them, what would interest them. And that really helped us um, build very strong pipelines and talent that previously wouldn't have considered uh, consulting or BCG as an employer. Brilliant. That's really interesting. A um, couple of couple of those I've, I've seen quite a bit online, actually, um, which kind of explained a little bit or um, put pictures to a little bit of what you're explaining there. So um, I think that's that's certainly something um, interesting for our our community to take a look at. Um, moving on to the next question. So I guess you know there's been huge um, publicity around ChatGPT. Um, in the in the last few weeks and and I guess a couple of months, um, so I guess that kind of brings us on. To, and I think Jonathan, I saw a, a post that you um, put on LinkedIn a, a week or so ago about you know potential um, uses for ChatGPT from a from a kind of talent acquisition or from a recruitment standpoint that I um, keenly took a look at as a, as a means to kind of uh, reducing time spent on some manual tasks uh, that that we all kind of encounter on a day-to-day basis. But I guess, you know, this could be a podcast on its own, this question. So I think, you know, just being conscious of, um, of you know, time and, and um, you know, conscious of our listeners, I guess, just making maybe one, one or two specific points around this question. So I guess the question is, how do you see automation technologies playing a part in the talent acquisition process versus the personalization of the candidate experience in 2023? Um, so again, huge topic. We could talk for a long time. Just I'm going to do a podcast in the next few weeks on ChatGPT, um, and I think that might even be a three-part podcast. So we could go down a huge rabbit hole on this question. I think, but just being, um, I guess, quite specific about um, how you feel. Um, you know, automation technology versus candidate experience might manifest um, in 2023. Um, Priya, do you want to start start with that one? Sure, uh, Jake. I'm I, before answering this question. I am a person who is like a fifty-fifty. I totally cannot be told. Uh, totally go into uh, systems and artificial intelligence. I really believe in personalization and the personal touch connect. So my answer is uh, including both. Uh, definitely, I agree with you. There will be uh, AI tools coming up. They have already been in there. A lot of uh, companies have approached me to use and I'm like, okay, uh, world is moving, world is fast. So basically, um, you know, the there will be automation there will be automation and there is automation if you say uh, greenhouse uh, application tracking system or ads or workday or lever or whatever uh, application tracking systems the the optimization of various tasks like candidate sourcing resume screening scheduling interviews sending communications that definitely frees up the recruiter's time and that uh, that time a recruiter can develop for a business partnership with the candidate 
So from an external point of view. So it's not just like always we need to talk to stakeholders to give them the update on what's happening on the recruitment world, but we also need to nurture our talent. I always say to my team that, you know, there's no reject, uh, rejected candidate because all the rejected candidates are the prospects of future roles. So we should never, um, you know, say that you're not being selected. Rather, we need to nurture the candidate and give them the feedback that where they can do, uh, they can, you know, perform well next time. So having said that, coming back to my point is that the artificial intelligence, I see uh, those tools are going to take over some of the mundane tasks automation like uh, interview scheduling and as I was telling you but mostly the personal touch and the personalization will be there and uh, I don't think that's going anywhere because recruiters needs to talk to ta uh, talent and nurture them and uh, uh, you know make sure that they are uh, they know us they know the role because these days talent really more than the company they want to know the role because they want they look for the learning more than the organization so uh, that ways i feel both have to play both both have their own roles probably like 50 60, 50 and 50 or 60 and 40 that's my thoughts cool Odette, what are your thoughts I think yeah, we spoke about, I mean, it's just um, without talking about chat GPT, I'm super excited about it, but uh, let's not talk about it. But uh, I'm just reflecting on, you know, what we talk about in BCG and it started with our digital businesses where we sell a, not sell, but we position a bionic workplace to our clients and uh, we internalize this as well. And so how do we create a bionic um, talent acquisition model as well? And what we what we really focus on is to have a very high touch but a high tech experience as well um, as you can can imagine when uh, when we go out um, on campus or in industry uh, the candidate experience is one of the most important things that we do we spend a lot of time in that we've got our consulting teams are very involved in talking to candidates converting candidates but we can't do it with high tech as well um, so that's why we always talk about our bionic uh, talent acquisition uh, model. And what is very important about it is that tech very quickly can become a hindrance to personalization. And it's very important as you go through this journey to make sure whatever technology introduced in your candidate journey is an enabler and not a hindrance. Um, so that's a high level thought around it, other than what uh, that Priya mentioned as well. Yeah, yeah really interesting. Um, Jonathan? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with with both uh, Priya and Odette on that, I, I think uh, many of these existing and emerging technologies offer efficiencies um, and new possibilities, right? But um, they also come with intrinsic uh, limitations and risks. Uh, I think one of those is candidate experience, as Odette uh, referred to. Um, TA is not HR operations. Um, uh, so I, I think we need to ask ourselves not not so much can we automate, um, but should we automate or where should we automate? Um, and then also what is the right time to automate? And I think if we if we look at things uh, from a sort of user design perspective and the, from the candidate perspective, I think it's clear that we really need different work streams, different processes. So inbound for candidates applying to my organization what is their priority what is a good candidate experience for them um uh, and what will meet my needs um well these are these are candidates who are um 
they're on the market. They're they're already actively wanting to join my organization. So for me, um, I want to highly automate that process. I want to get that candidate through to a resolution either way, because that's what they want and that's what I want. I want to get that candidate offered before any of my competitors, if if they pass through my process. So that's for inbound. I think um, you can you can then put a chatbot. You can you can put your assessment behind that. You can have a candidate from application with zero human touch scheduled uh, for interview with a hiring manager with a set of results uh, from the different tests that they pass through. And more importantly, the candidate owns that process. So they can pass through it in their own time, um, quicker or slower. And, and, and you can turn a process that takes weeks when you're waiting for a recruiter to send out invitations and you know, when the recruiter's got time to do the screening interview, you can, you can make that a literally a two hour process. Uh, with the same result. What that then allows you to do is for your, where you have to go outbound when you're dealing with passive candidates, an automated process like that is obviously not going to work because um, you have to spend time selling the organization, selling the opportunity, that white glove approach that we talk about. So for me there, the priority changes. The priority is less about speed to decision and more about um, uh, you know engaging with that candidate, forming a a story, a narrative, a compelling you know a, a compelling offer for them. Um, and I think that's where the human recruiters earn their money and will continue to earn their money. So I, I think there's a place for both automation and personal touch. You know those recruiter skills that have been critical forever. Um, and I think if we if we take a user designed approach to it, then we can have both those tools work effectively together. Fantastic. Um, <clears throat> I think that's a really good point about inbound versus outbound. And I think that, you know, what, what a lot of people don't pick up on all the time is sort of the differences in recruiting in different industries, different um, skill sets and different geographies. So, for example, you know, I think we're, we're all physically based in Singapore and, you know, we, we advertise a software engineering leader last year, um, you know, midway through the peak of hiring within tech and, you know, we'll, we'll not get any um, responses to, to that advert. And um, if we do get responses, probably not in software engineering um so i think you know when when we talk about being proactive and being outbound and um you know creating a compelling value proposition for a candidate to entertain automation is probably limited in capability when it comes to that um whereas in maybe different skills different industries different geographies when there's a very high volume of inbound um applicants then perhaps automation could potentially have a place um i guess my personal perspective is and particularly with regards to chat gpt and you know if i don't know if i'm talking to a machine or a person i'm going to communicate by text less that that would be my personal view if i don't know the 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 entity that responding is responding to me because the chatbot is so good uh, imitating um, a human, I'm not going to communicate by text as much. I'd rather communicate um, by phone or in person, um, or by or via video. And yeah. may, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just old. But. I, I, I think. Well, I mean, on that point, Jay, I, I think we've got to remember that um, you know there is no perfect application uh, process. 
we've got four or five generations at work and looking for work. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had a, uh, a, um, uh, a candidate complain to me because my recruiter was dealing with them by WhatsApp and they weren't happy with that. So, uh, you know, that was a that was a young recruiter dealing with a candidate who was, let's say, more experienced. Um, so I always ask my team to one of the first questions you should ask is how how do you want to be communicated with? What are you comfortable with? You know, is it by email? Do you want to be kept up to date on a weekly basis? And I think um, it, that's one of the benefits of a human recruiter is that you can customize and you can adjust that approach. Whereas if you have a, a fixed automated process, it can be very impersonal and the candidate uh, can feel that they're, they're on a train with no brakes on it and no windows. You know, uh, in other aspect, uh, Jonathan, I totally agree with you. And just think from another perspective that what a, this is also tampering and ha- this is also harming our employer branding. It's also kind of like, you know, giving a, a thing to the candidate that, hey, why they're putting everything AI, what culture will they have? If the culture will be too techy or too auto bot culture and there will be no personal touch culture. So it can somewhere down the line, the flip side, it can impact our employer branding as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if, if it's a culture of an organization where everyone communicates via Slack and no one ever sees meets or um spends time in person that personally i wouldn't want to work in that sort of company um, but i work in sales whereas maybe a software engineering team would be more comfortable communicating in in that way my person we hire a lot of um you know junior people into our business and one of the things that we pride ourselves on is the training over the first three months and beyond that point and i think if we were doing all that training by a um, automation technology is, it, you know, I, I would hope the uh, quality of our training in person um, collaboratively is higher than ChatGPT could provide. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, m- maybe I'm overrating it. <laughs> um, cool. So no, that's that's really interesting. Again, I think each of these questions could be a podcast on their own. So I appreciate um, everyone's kind of succinct and um, really kind of poignant um, summary of the the key the key points there. Final question. Um, what do you see as your biggest challenge as a TA leader in 2023? Um, so Priya, do you want to start with that one? I guess it's going to be a very common answer, attracting and retaining the talent, Jake. It's so uh, it's so difficult to attract the right talent for the right roles and retaining the talent to Jonathan's point earlier. And uh, it's, it's kind of going to be very tough because markets are totally different. Things, uh, uh, employment opportunities are going to be very different. Expectations from the roles and the candidates are going to be very different. Uh, It's going to be a very challenging environment where attracting the right person with the right cultural fit and uh, retaining them because I see some of the, uh, when I talk to my TA colleagues and TA fraternity, they always say that, oh my God, um, how to retain the talent? They are just kind of like, you know, getting so many opportunities that um, it, it's going, uh, compensation cannot be only one thing which we can retain the talent. Good talent, yes, of course, the financial perspective is important, but I don't think it's the only thing 
when the right talent and the good great talent decide to move so it's going to be both i guess for my perspective absolutely um jonathan yeah i i, I think it's uh i think the answers are are fairly obvious here as, as priya said for me the main challenge is going to be ensuring that the ta remains able to deliver despite you know and sort of considering the changes we're seeing in the market and you know we know and we've known since 2019 if not before that standing still and doing what we've always done is not an option anymore um it's not going to get the same results so how can we upgrade our processes our skills our capabilities to ensure that ta remains a relevant function um against this sort of background of increasing complexity in the talent markets um and the workplaces that we support um so you know candidates we're seeing have side hustles second jobs uh there are flexible working requirements um digital nomads non-standard uh job roles uh that's a blended workforce that's that that's coming with pace um four or five generations at work as i mentioned before and more aggressive dei targets um these are all big sort of generational challenges coming coming quickly um and then i think on top of that with with the the the, the funding and resources likely to be stretched for ta how can we best leverage those available resources including technology um in innovative and creative ways to continue sourcing and hiring candidates um uh while also improving that candidate experience and and, and meeting their changing needs as well so i think getting all of that right is is challenging um and uh you know there's certainly not an easy answer to it um and then i think the the thing to add to that is this pivot of ta to support internal hiring which i think is going to be critical for all of us um uh and do our teams have the skills to be able to become efficient talent brokers and support internal career development because the pressure is going to be on doing more with your own available talent um once we've got this blip of these retrenchments out of the way um uh and and i think companies are are going to be a lot more serious about developing and growing and retaining talent so there's going to be there's going to be uh a, a lot more pressure on our on on our early careers on building our own talents because that's a lot cheaper than waiting 3 years and buying someone with 3 years experience from the open market so um i think this this change in complexity our big challenge has started now it's it's how do we continue to keep pace and keep uh our teams uh skilled um with the right tools to be able to to deliver against that and on that absolutely um and finally adept um yeah. biggest challenge as a TA leader in 2023 well as similar to both uh, Jonathan and Priya for for me I think the um you know learnings from last year is how do you cut through the noise with a strong employer brand you know everybody is going after the same top talent in the market at the moment um how do you differentiate but how do you target the right talent um and this is you know what we've learned as well before we launched beyond we tend to focus quite a lot on what we thought talent wanted um and not what our strengths was 
Um, and I think it's about finding that sweet spot. What is your strength as an organization? And how does it match with what talent want? And really focus on those areas so that you get the talent that aligns with your company culture as well. We all want a certain type of talent, but a certain type of talent doesn't always want us because we were talking about the tech savvy talent may not want an organization where it's not that important or somebody that's not tech savvy wouldn't want to work for um, a tech company. So when we think about retention as well, as we get it right, when we hire the right talent for what we need, but also for, 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 the, uh, for the culture of the organization. So I think finding that sweet spot between the two and targeting the right talent is gonna be, uh, it's uh, easier said than done. And that's definitely something that, we, that we're focusing on this year as well. Fantastic. Um, so I guess, um, just want to say thank you very much um, to to all three of you. I think, as I mentioned, each each of those questions could could be a podcast um, in itself. And I think you know we've we've done a pretty good job in um, summarising the salient points that that everyone um, in talent acquisition is going to be thinking about and considering for the remainder of 2023. Um, from from our perspective as a as a recruitment agency, I think um, you know what one of the trends that we've seen is more um, partnership with talent acquisition as opposed to working against talent acquisition as the the kind of future of our industry. Um, and I think the you know ten years ago when I started in recruitment, it was often about sort of circumnavigating um, the talent acquisition function when sort of there's ambiguity as to what talent acquisition was versus HR, and it was all kind of you know, mixed in with the same um, brush. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that we're kind of super passionate about, and it's something that's been kind of, I think, increasing, um, increasingly prevalent in, in Singapore, um, more so than, than when I certainly moved here 10 years ago, is the partnership between um, recruitment agencies and, and talent acquisition functions within business. So we're genuinely joining um, forces when there's a, a genuine need to partner with organizations for a particularly hard to fill role or a particular um, uptick in pace when it comes to hiring where the talent acquisition function perhaps needs some additional support. And I think that's one of the trends that I've noticed um, in um, in the last 18 months um, as there's been certain kind of huge upticks in pace of hiring and then, you know, redu reductions in hiring within very close timeframes, probably more closer timeframes than ever before. So, you know, um, I guess just once again to say how grateful I am to have all three of you and to have the insights that you shared today. And um, I think our community would be particularly um, interested in um, a, a number of those points that we've we've managed to discuss fairly succinctly. So um, Priya, thank you very much. Um, Jonathan, um, again, thanks. And, and Odette, um, you know, really valuable insights there. Um, this has been the Evolution Exchange.